0: we're across the crowded ways of life where sound the cries of race and clan we're at a moment in history where the cries of race and clan are going out to all the world and all the world is shouting to have their voice their race their clan heard In that environment, above the noise of selfish strife, we hear thy voice, O Son of Man. How will they hear? You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today is our council meeting service. And our council meeting service is a time of, that we have set aside as a preparation for communion. And I believe I preached the council meeting message here. And I looked at some of these verses at the beginning of, of the message then. And I want to again, because they're what I think about when I think about council meeting and communion. And I want to share them as a beginning to the message today. But when we partake of communion, what is what is happening? What are we doing when we partake of communion? And so we have the cup and we have the bread and, and that is shared amongst the members of the body. Well, what do we mean by the body? And when we, when we partake of those things, Jesus said in John he said except you eat the flesh of the Son of man and drink his blood um, now I can't finish the quotation I should have written it down but uh, the implication was that that we must eat the flesh of the Son of man and drink his blood and then he went on to say the words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life so he was he was implying something spiritual to us and then as he shared the Lord's supper before his crucifixion he demonstrated this to his disciples and he said do this in remembrance of me and Paul is bringing that back in in this passage here in first Corinthians chapter 11 beginning at verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew the Lord's death till you come. So there's a remembrance. You do show the Lord's death till He come. There's a remembrance, but it's more than that. It's also a partaking of Christ. We're showing a partaking of Christ that we have partaken of Him. That we have become part of Him. He gave His life. Just after he demonstrated this, he gave his life for you and I. And in giving his life and us accepting that, we take his life and we become part of his body. We take his life upon ourselves and become part of his body. And so we're also demonstrating that we are partakers of Christ's body. Wherefore, Paul says, in verse 27 wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lord's body so he's the the person who eats and drinks unworthily in this in this Remembrance of Christ and this visible expression of the spiritual partaking that we have of Christ and of being His body, they're not discerning what they're doing. They're not understanding the significance of what's happening. And then Paul goes on to say, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And he's not talking about a physical weakness he's talking about a spiritual weakness and sickness and many are asleep spiritually because they don't understand the significance of the of being a worthy vessel before God and having our lives in a place of worthiness where God can implant his life and his power into us and I ask you the question at the beginning How will those people hear? God has chosen to use the church as the way that people will see and hear Christ. How are we representing Christ? Are we partakers of His body in a worthy manner? Not just in communion, but in the way that we live and the way that we express life. across the crowded ways of life. Do they hear the voice of the Son of Man through the church today? And the way that we relate to the body of Christ, the way that we relate to our communion with Christ and our communion with one another will be the voice that we speak. Not just in the service. The service is simply a representation of that. I'd like to, well, so this examination work that it talks about here in um, verse 28, let a man examine himself, that is a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. So I'm going to raise some questions today in the message, but will you allow the Spirit access to your heart as we go through this message this morning? I want to ask Franklin to lead us in a song, and I don't care if you want to lead it from there or to come up, either one is fine. Hymns of the Church, number 894. Every line of that song is packed with a powerful message to the Christian. A charge to keep I have. In the men's Sunday school class this morning, we talked about what we've been given. We've been given life. We've been given the power to use that life by our choice. But this morning, I'm speaking to you as as to Christians. And you have the capacity to only change one life, and that's yours. And I mentioned that recently here. But what are you doing with it? In Timothy... In this letter to Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, that, that you might engage in this, in this warfare of the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God, holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away, concerning faith, have made shipwreck. A charge to keep I have. I have a charge to keep. And so do you. The decisions you make today are going to make a difference about where you end up. He's saying to Timothy here that some have put aside faith in a good conscience. As a result of that, they've made shipwreck. That's where you're going to end up if you put aside faith and a good conscience. You have a charge to keep. You have a life to live. You've been given an allotment of time. What are you doing with it? A charge to keep, I have, a God to glorify. It's not about you, it's about Him. If you've named the name of Christ this morning, you have taken the reputation of God on your shoulders. Because you are a Christian. And as a Christian, you carry the name of God. Do I live each day with an awareness that I'm carrying the reputation of God on my shoulders? What did I do? To the reputation of God this past week or month or year? What am I doing with the reputation of God? Nathan told David this about his sins of adultery and murder. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, an opportunity for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme because of his actions. What am I doing to the reputation of God? Or is my growth in Christ bringing glory to His name as in 2 Peter 3.18 but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so is our growth in Christ bringing glory to His name because people can see the changes that are happening because of our connection with Him and because we've put our reputation aside and we're seeking to follow Him and walk with Him in daily life. I have a God to glorify. A never-dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Do I recognize the significance of a soul? How often do you think about the significance of a soul? and The value of it? I don't think we can, because we can't grasp eternity. Some people, I don't know how everybody arranges their numbers, but I have a number line. And in my number line, it starts out with one and it goes up and it does some some different funny things. That's how I organize my numbers in my mind. And I get out there to millions and billions and, and it goes around the corner and disappears. Because at some point, we're limited in how we can grasp numbers. And a lot of people look at me really funny when I tell them that I have a number line. Don't know what to tell you about that. I've had it ever since I learned to count, and it's stayed the same. It's really interesting, but it's just the way that that I organize that. But that's really not the point. The point is, can we grasp eternity? And your soul will last for all of eternity. And I tried counting to a thousand one time when I was young, and it took me a long time to count to a thousand. And we we talk about a thousand as not really being that big of a number. We toss that number around. And how many times beyond that is a million? And how many times beyond that is a billion? For what does a man profit if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's Matthew 16, 26. In Hebrews 12, 4, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. How, much, how valuable is that soul? How much are you willing to put into the value of souls? Your own soul and the souls of others. To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. I talked about this at school this week in school devotions. And I talked about it here a couple weeks ago. But we weren't placed in our grandparents' generation. We weren't placed in the 1500s. We weren't placed in the time of Christ. We weren't placed when David was in 1000 B.C. But it says this about David. For after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and was laid into his fathers. David served his generation by the will of God. He performed the will of God in his generation. David had a calling and a purpose for his time. And so do you. God placed you today in the period of time that you're living in for a purpose, for a calling. And it's to serve this age. It's to serve this time. To contribute. To give something to the world because of the life that He has given you. To serve my present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may at all my powers engage to do my Master's will. How deeply rooted is my commitment to God and my commitment to His call in my life? What do I want? It's one of the things that's been running through my head for the past, over the past year and a half. What do I want? We do things because of what we want. We want to end up in a conclusion. What do I want? Is it simply to do God's will? Or is it something else? And is what I'm doing focused on that? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is put on the altar and it's burned up. It's gone. What purpose? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your life as a believer is about proving what the will of God is. And that's the only thing that has significance, that has real significance in your life, is proving what the will of God is. And the only way that can happen is for you to give yourself as a complete sacrifice to Jesus Christ. What do I want? Is that what I want? Do I want to be that kind of a sacrifice? Do I want my life to be consumed for the glory of God and to show His will to the world around us? Arm me with jealous care as in thy sight to live. Do I carefully consider the way that I walk? The things that I do, the words that I say, the things that I view the places that I go. Being jealously careful to keep myself for my bridegroom. You see, that's the language of a husband for a wife and a wife for a husband. This kind of jealousy is the kind of jealousy that God talks about. We call it in our home the good kind of jealous. The kind of jealous that desires to show love. Arm me with jealous care as in thy sight to live. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Is that my desire? You see, jealousy is a desire. Is that my desire? To walk that way with Christ. Close in knowledge, increasing in knowledge and being pleasing to Him and being fruitful in what I do. So that He is glorified. So that He is lifted up. And oh, thy servant, Lord, prepare a strict account to give. Lord, show me the areas where I need to grow. Is that your plea? Is your plea to God? Lord, show me how I need to go today, tomorrow. Lead me. Guide me. Help me to remember each day that I will stand and give account before you for all that I've done. Every day, not just on council meeting, but every day. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And this is the Holy Spirit's work. What's the Holy Spirit saying to your heart? When you ask that question, God show me, what's he saying? And how do you respond? Are you listening for the Holy Spirit and are you responding and following through with the Holy Spirit? Help me to watch and pray and on thyself rely. Watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is what Jesus said to His disciples right before His crucifixion in the garden. They had made proclamations of following Him. Even to death. But they were asleep while he prayed in agony. And Jesus called out to them and said, Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. Am I trusting in the Lord? It will be revealed by where I turn for both answers and for help. And truly our flesh is weak. King Hezekiah said this, Be strong and courageous. Well, maybe I should give a little bit of background. As, as he faced a huge army, Zennacherib uh, was coming against him, I believe it was a Syrian army. Uh, he says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. He was coming in the strength of man. We can try in the strength of man. But that's not where the strength is. The strength is in the power of God. And brothers and sisters, we need that power. Registered, living, dwelling, empowering us to be faithful. With Him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And the Lord Lord Jesus Himself taught us to pray and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? It tells us right in that passage, for thine is the kingdom
1: and the power.
0: It's His kingdom and it's His power. And we enter into that power. The power is in Him. Assured if I my trust betray, I shall forever die. God has given you and I the trust of our soul. And our actions and words affect not only our soul, but the souls around us. How serious is this trust? Matthew 18, verse 3. This is a very familiar passage. Assuredly I say unto you, "...unless ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wherefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes." If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than to have two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than have two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven... Their angels do always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Assured if I my trust betray, I shall forever die. We've been given a trust that relates to our souls, a charge to keep. What are we going to do with that? What are we doing with that? What's the state of my heart today? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Does He have the control? The Lordship of Christ throughout the New Testament is just so clear. Our lives are to be directed and empowered and guided by His Word and by how He wants us to live. And for the Christian, it doesn't seem that anything else matters besides living out what Jesus wants for us as His body, following what He wants. Does He have access to every fiber of your being? This message challenged me. challenged me to see some areas where I need to give him more control and to follow him more closely. And I hope that it challenged you. I'll turn the time over to Brother Claire.